It's Monday, November 18th, and coming up, Disney Plus gains 10 million subscribers its first day? Carmelo Anthony back in the league? Colin Kaepernick back in the league? All that coming up and more. This is the tune-up. Good morning. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined, as always, by our drummer extraordinaire, the insomniac Paul Laurier himself. There's no mercy in this union. If he had coined the phrase gaslighting in 2008, we probably wouldn't be here. He's the full-time <laughs> dad, the part-time podcaster, Misty, Mr. Benny Horowitz. What's up? Denny, every Woo! week. Every week. <laughs> You're like the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> so good. The problem is there's so many podcasts that where people do that, that it's become the standard that if you don't, you're lame. Sure. So I'm just out here, you know, it's just just trying to be the industry standard, if you will. It's like making a record without Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, because this business is a contact sport, and by that business, I mean the take business, we don't want to pull anything. So each and every week, we warm up with our don't fuck this up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't f*** this up for me. Don't fuck it up. All right, Ben, because it's your show, the floor is yours. My man this week is going back to New York City, Jay-Z. Also, from Kanye to Jay-Z, we yeah. see we have yeah. got a pattern. Yeah, we're keeping this going. Who is, is delicately towing a line between... Uh, corporate shill social activist and uh and street poet at the moment and i'm not exactly sure which side he's landing on but as this uh kaepernick situation unfolds i'd like to see how much jay-z played a part in this if any and uh if he is culpable for the cacophony of errors that we have seen All right, so you went with the pass in terms of quarterback referencing Kaepernick. My don't fuck this up person will redefine the award, if you will. And Benny, it's Lamar Jackson. And if there was any debate whether he was an MVP frontrunner, Sunday afternoon put all the questions to rest uh, against Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, the two met in a thrilling 2016 game between Clemson and Louisville. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson came out ahead that time. This afternoon, Sunday... As we're recording this, not so much as the Baltimore Ravens demolished the Houston Texans. But here's what I want to focus on, Benny. He showed up today. The Ravens showed up today. Lamar Jackson didn't screw up. Deshaun Watson did, a.k.a. looking at my fantasy points, a lame five points. You know who I could have started and gotten gotten more points with today? Fucking Matt Ryan. What about Sam Darnold? Probably Sam Sam on your waiver wire. (laughs) Anyway... Lamar redefines a game, and in this case, this award. Lamar is my don't fuck this up guy of the week because, well, he didn't fuck up on the big stage. The definition of the award. Oh, he's wearing the crown now. <laughs> he's getting there. He's getting there every week. Every week. Can I tell you about me uh, plugging Sam Darnold in this week oh, over Carson Wentz a, a and uh, winning my league? <laughs> Man, I'm feeling And I even took to Twitter to, to, to half ask the question to the people, should I do it? Oh. Did it anyway. And I look real smart look to the people you. today. I look, look real smart. I tried, to, I tried to sign Larry Fitzgerald today, only knowing oh. he was on the waiver wire. That's that's a sinking feeling. Vegas today. should call me. I'm like I'm like uh, De Niro in Casino. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as you don't bury me in the desert today, 
That's fine. Not today. No cement footpath for you today. Marquette Jenny. basketball already did that to me this afternoon against the Wisconsin Badgers, but we don't have to talk about it. We don't no. have to talk. That's not a, yet. That's a beautiful no. thing about the podcast. Unless Marquette's an attorney. We're not getting uh, to it. Which, which after today probably won't happen this year. Um, all right, Benny. Let's keep it with the pigskin. And Con Kaepernick worked out with eight NFL teams over the weekend, which seems like a win if it weren't the NFL we were dealing with. Now, there's been speculation, as you said before, J- Benny, that <laughs> I almost combined Jay-Z and Benny and you were like Jenny. That. Jenny on the block oh, I was here. hoping it was Benny Z. <laughs> all right. Go on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you're not from the Bronx and all, all that nonsense. Uh, so there's been speculation that Jay-Z has been behind getting this workout to happen after the NFL tried to use his reputation to repair relations with the African-American community. Jay-Z was a little tight about that. So... Honestly, there's a lot of layers to the story, Benny. Where do you start, and do you think Cap will get a shot? I mean, I think what's troubling about this story is that it got scheduled. We had a week to talk about it. It happened. And I have no clearer picture of what's going to happen than I did eight days ago. And I think that's the biggest problem with what they did and why it's such a big snafu. Um, The fact that there was no transparency... You don't know who drove this conversation, who started it, which means that you can't exactly say who's culpable mm. for the way it panned out. Yeah. Um, and each side, if it's almost like a confirmation bias, if you <laughs> if you if you want to go on each, which has been happening anyway with this conversation. So if you want to go to each side, mm. now the NFL gave you a bunch of reasons why you can stay on the side you're yeah. on. Kaepernick gave you a bunch of reasons to stay on the side you're on. Yeah, the guy can still throw a football. We fucking knew that. Mm. We've known that for three years. Yeah. We've known that he was physically capable of coming in and being an NFL quarterback. It was never in question. So the idea there was even a workout is kind of silly. Yeah. Um. And obviously the things people have talked about a thousand times, like – like if the you're fact gonna, that he's 32 and all that stuff. Like or all the fact the that it was on a Saturday yeah. and that nobody can come to see it. The fact right. that the NFL blocked anyone from filming it, which gave them the access to control the video, which gives all 32 teams a, uh, you know, a patsy in the situation if they mm. don't want to sign him. So the idea that he went ahead and moved it, mm. I think is now like a fun, interesting part of this yeah. story that, that needs to be talked about. And I think if you're going on the Stephen A. Smith side, <laughs> all right, like yeah. the idea that like you got asked to a job interview and you got to show up with, you know, with your tie on straight, saying the right things because you should be getting a job. Like, I don't believe that, man. <laughs> um, and I think he's kind of towing a line like he really shouldn't fucking be towing right now saying that like this isn't uh, this isn't an employer without blood on its hands. This right. isn't somebody who's, uh, you know, this isn't uh, Don's hoagie shop, you know, <laughs> where you're walking in and then trying to get like this is the fucking NFL. And they set this whole thing up the way that they needed it to be in order to cover their asses in, in a million different ways. And that's still what we're at. So the fact that he decided to control the conversation towards the end, to move it, to knowingly diminish the amount of teams that were going to come see him anyway, because his side decided that the physical part of this wasn't actually important and was kind of facade in the first place. Mm. So the fact that he moved it and the fact that he didn't necessarily take it seriously in the way the NFL wanted it 
I have zero problem with. Right. I really don't. And the fact that he wore the shirt he wore and and making like this isn't something where you're coming in trying to blow up a job interview. Colin Kaepernick did this for the same fucking reason three years ago that he probably did now. He understands that this is bigger than football. He understands that you have to create spectacle to create conversation. And he continues to go down that narrative. And honestly, fuck it, man. I appreciate it. Colin Kaepernick addressed the media and the fans in attendance. Here's what he had to say. Let me start by saying I appreciate y'all coming out. That means a lot to me. Our biggest thing with everything today was making sure we had transparency in what went on. We weren't getting that elsewhere, so we came out here. It's important that y'all are here. Y'all been attacked for the last three years. Y'all continue to be attacked. We appreciate what y'all do. We appreciate you being here today. We appreciate the work you do for the people and telling the truth. That's what we want in everything. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. We're out here, we're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team. I'll interview with any team at any time. I've been ready, I'm staying ready, and I'll continue to be ready. And to all the people that came out here today to support, I appreciate y'all, I love y'all. To the people that aren't here, I'm thinking of you. I appreciate you supporting from where you are. We'll continue to give you updates as we hear. We'll be waiting to hear from Roger Goodell, the NFL, the 32 teams. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court. We're ready to go. So I kind of want to run through a Con Kaepernick timeline because I think it's important. I feel like people, when they talk about Cap, they talk about him as an activist. They don't talk about the football side of things. Okay? Sure. So like a lot of skilled players, he was he fell victim to uh, some coaching changes, a radical one when they brought in Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that clearly didn't work. He, and, and then he got hurt and then he went through a bunch of surgeries, stuff like that. Then in 2016, went into camp, uh, competed against Blaine Gabbert for the starting job. Wasn't probably fully healthy when he came back to camp. Now, the interesting thing where I think this story gets interesting, that same preseason, and I don't remember whether it was before he lost the job or uh, or whether after they named Gabbert the starter, but the protest started in week three of the preseason. Now, I get the world events that happened during that time, but I just think like the timeline is interesting if you wanted to put on your tinfoil hat here. I don't particularly because the NFL is also as culpable and sure. uh, at fault as anybody else here. So let's this let's dive into this workout today, okay? Leaving even Jay-Z out of it, the actual day itself. So originally the workout was scheduled at the Falcons facility. Yes. But the day of, it was moved 60 miles away to a high school. That's right. 25 teams were set to show up to this. Only eight could make it to the high school. That If that's not some charcanery where like they're, you're really pushing the envelope of, all right, you're not really giving the guy a, a chance when, like you said, if you're on one side of it, you're like, yeah, the NFL gave him a chance. Eight teams showed up. That's better than nothing. But if you're on the other side, you're getting him 60 miles. Benny, how many miles do you drive a week? Do you think you drive 60 miles a week? That's hey, far. 
Are you gaming? Sixty miles is far. Like this is where oh, I'm no, talking. No. If you're supposed to be like I've I am notoriously running late places. If you tell me that I have to be one place at noon and then you're like, oh, we're gonna push it back an hour and you got I don't think I'm gonna make it in but time. This and, is and a, it sounds like a lot of teams didn't make it. It's not like Bill they weren't sending Bill Belichick. They were sending like like some twenty seven year old uh video quarterback coordinator who's probably in a rental uh civic or something anyway you know what i mean they can't drive 45 minutes down the road i think i think looking into the minutiae what happened um gets dangerous in the idea that i think it lends back to what i said and and the way i see it which is his camp clearly found what was happening to be such a you know bread it was bread and circus you know what I mean? It yeah. was just it was just feeding the masses, you know, something in order to to kick something up. And I think from an early point in it, uh, they decided it was bunk and they decided it wasn't real. And they decided they weren't going to play ball with it because the NFL set the terms. Mm. And I think I think that's what happened here. So uh, this isn't Colin Kaepernick going like, fuck, 16 teams didn't make it. And now I might not get signed by 16. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was certain he wasn't getting a job before this. Right. I think he was certain he wasn't getting a job on Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday. Decided to move it well before that and did what he could to fuck with the NFL again. Yeah. Because he can. And honestly, maybe he should. All right, Benny. Next topic. Speaking of someone that's been out of the league trying to make a comeback, Carmelo Anthony. My man. He's back. He's back. Uh, he's uh though the deal hasn't been made official yet. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting that the Portland Trail Blazers are signing Carmelo Anthony to a contract. But the part that nobody wants to talk about is it's non-guaranteed money. So he should have been our "Don't fuck this up" guy of the week. Oh, we missed a real that's true. Missed here. a big one. Carmelo's out here on on the ten-day contract, trying to make it happen for himself again. Um, but I- the interesting thing about Carmelo a- Anthony. Right, not sure what he has left. He definitely doesn't have anything left defensively, unless he commits to it this time. But why would he commit to it this time when he hasn't his entire career? The thing that I love about this entire story, and Damian Lillard was on Joe Budden's podcast, yeah. Jersey City. Shout Heard out, Budden, Budden. In September, and he he was talking about how they tried to get right. Mello on the Trailblazers when he went to Oklahoma yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. And we see how the disaster in Oklahoma City worked out. And it's funny how things come around. You know, sometimes you burn a bridge, and when they're your only option, you go back on your hands and knees. Next thing, you know, the spurned lover is your only option. So, Carmelo Anthony, do you think he fits? With Portland, because I'm not really sure, even though they are really banged up. I mean, does he fit with Portland? Sure, in some bizarrely ideal scenario that Carmelo comes and he's really healthy, in great shape, and can somehow start and give you 25 to 30 minutes a night. Oh, there's no way that's Um, happening. So, I mean, they were just starting 19-year-old Nasir Little who didn't even start a game in college right. at Power Forward. So this isn't, you know, we need to build up our team here. I, I think what we're seeing here with the Blazers is they went all in on Whiteside. They made the big trade. They tried to shake things up this year. They re-signed Nurkic. They got the core set. They're big-time money right now. They're over, yeah. the, oh, they're over the tax. So 
considering this year anything but we're going for a conference finals or going for a finals is a loss this season, especially with the way the Blazers have made exciting playoff runs and big, you know, big exits the last the last three seasons. So I think that's what you're seeing right here. The Blazers are in a position where they just have to go all in. They have no other choice on this season. And there's not exactly like a lot of people swimming around the league who can help you as a stretch four right now. Mm. I think what they're hoping for is some return of that version of um, not old school Nuggets Carmelo Anthony, 2013 New York Knicks Carmelo Anthony. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's uh, he's playing strong interior defense. He's putting bodies on fours, pulling down eight rebounds a game. You know, that is the version that they need. They need someone who can actually plant down low a little bit. Um, but <laughs> that was a long time ago, Denny. Mm. <laughs> that was going on a good five, six years ago now. Exactly and then, what this signing is. And I got numbers for you. Like, okay. Listen, the last meaningful games Carmelo Anthony played in was the playoffs with Oklahoma City. He played in six games. He averaged under 12 points a game while averaging over 30 minutes a game and shooting 37%. Right. These are the last meaningful games he played. And then he went to the Rockets and was literally, you know, let go. You know, part of the plan and let go because of h- how much he couldn't fit into this. So... I love Melo. Okay, I want to. I want to put that out. Melo was a. He had some rough years in New York, but he was mostly a pretty good company man, and he and he mostly gave you everything you want. And he lit up the garden for a few years, and I love him for it, and I'm rooting for him. But the concept is Melo can provide useful enough stretch four minutes that will compensate for his defensive deficiencies. I don't think it's possible. So as much as I want this story to play out in a cool, romantic, dramatic NBA fashion and, and exactly... Melo gets to ride off into a nice sunset, I really want to see it. I just don't think I'm going to see it. No, but it's time for that time of the program where we give our half-baked cakes. They come with a little bit of bad cheese. They come with too much sauce. It's time for our dollar slice take of the week. Benny, what do you got? You know what I was thinking? Wouldn't it be a good idea? You're a young kid, moves to a city, you start walking dogs. That's what they all do, right? Yeah. What if you just carried some products in your backpack and you cleaned houses at the same time? Okay. Right? Yeah. Dog walker, house cleaner. Yeah. You get one job a day, you walk the dog twice, you clean the house in the middle, and you get paid like, what, 100? That's a good one. For six, seven hours a week. This might not even be a dollar slice take because it's such a good idea. Yeah. Dollar slice take of the week, Benny. Bouncing off of your job thing, I think if someone is sh- should move to a city, right, mm-hmm. and their job should be you know they try to get to know people, get the low the lay of the land, learn the community. Yes, you should be a food tour guide. I didn't realize how popular <laughs> these things were, but like in my oh, travels, I like to do it's these little thing. food tours. Yeah. Quite frankly, I think it'd be a good way to. Have a stream of income that is beneficial while this podcast gets going up. I should just be giving food tours. Not a bad idea. I hate to tell you though, people have already jumped on it in Jersey City. In Jersey City? Yeah, I've been been to restaurants where I've seen a, a group of twenty coming in, fixed meal thing. Yeah, people are already cruising. Like, n- 
and I'll cut this out, but which which restaurant? I saw it at Marco and Pepe, which was really? where Momo's is yeah. now. Yeah, and it was like part of like a food group. It was a woman from Jersey City leading it. Yeah, they don't go to Torico, do they? Probably. They gotta fucking get out of there, man. Yeah, it's probably. all fun and games until until it comes to your backyard. Torico. Mm. Oh, it's hard not to go there after <laughs> this. They oh, oh I got some. They in October they had a white chocolate macadamia nut flavor that I, the on Halloween I went there no joke got three pints still got one pint left I'm living large Benny Horn. oh you're still, you're holding out you're hoarding them that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> there's all these little kids walking yeah, yeah. getting their candy on I just Halloween. want my ice cream I, I went three pints at Torico anyway uh. um all right Benny it's time for the second half of the podcast where. We dive into some of the hard-hitting issues of the community. No, we need, we need like, dun 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 dun. dun. We need some like yeah, hardcore some, news music right there. <laughs> some like Dateline, yeah, Dateline yeah, Chicago, yeah, and like, yeah. yeah, that whole thing. All right, but our first story, Benny. I'm sure your kids were probably a little bit excited about this. Disney <laughs> Plus debuted to the masses this past. I week. do. I got some Moana fans. It's true. And it it's on there. Uh, the first day, it gained 10 million subscribers. Day one. I don't know what it's done since then. A lot but of day, humans. Day one, that's incredible. By the way, if you have Verizon out there, it's free for a year. Um, but here's my big question. With all of these companies, you know, your NBCs, your Viacoms, your Disneys, with all of them starting streaming services, number one, will cord cutting still be worth it? And is any of this good for the consumer? I, it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like we're in the uh, sort of brave new world element of this and the transition from, you know, old school traditional cable to what we have now. Uh, I mean, I'm currently right in the middle of this. Um, I'm like your super old school uh, borderline Luddite when it comes to technology. Right. Like, like I literally had a beeper when oh, everybody wow. had cell phones. I had a, a boss who, who literally bought me my first cell phone because I had a pager too long. <laughs> I was delivering pizzas and, and no one answered their door anymore. Right. So I used to have to drive halfway across town to a payphone bank to tell someone to come answer their fucking door. And my boss was like, Benny, you can't do this anymore. And gave me like 60 bucks to like buy my first flip phone so he could call me <laughs> so I could call Pizza Man. In. I mean, this is the extent... So I'm someone who loves to, like, turn on my TV. I love scrolling through a cable TV guide. Like, there's something about that that's just really, like, comforting to me and really Mm. nice. And it feels like something I knew when I was a kid and something I know now. It's a weird creature comfort that I'm afraid to give up. But I'm paying way too fucking much for this stuff. And my wife, who's starting to get a little hip... She got us a fire stick. Okay. She put some Netflix on it. Mm-hmm. She put some stuff. Now I'm starting to transition because I'm watching shows on there. I'm watching yeah. movies. I'm less on cable. And I'm all about it. But here's my problem is I'm really running into an issue with sports. Mm. And I think sports people are going to have a problem with this. Yeah. So, you know, right now, you know, I'm now, I'm an NBA junkie, right? Right. But, like, what's your issue with it, though? Is it because... If you watch it on cable, it's 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 right as it's going along, maybe like a one, two second delay. If you watch it on the streaming, the delay is maybe like 10, 15 seconds. And by the time Twitter's reacted, 
you've you've probably seen the the clip on hoops hype or or cut somewhere right right so you're kind of running behind in that aspect uh, i mean my issue is you know so currently the nba is running games at, you know through the week on espn tnt nba tv uh some you know some random network stuff i guess that doesn't come till the playoffs so if I can get this streaming site, cool. Then I get League Pass. I get every game I want. I'm blacked out of Nets and Knicks. Mm. So all of a sudden, like, I have this problem. Like, I live right here, and I literally have to get cable to get the fucking Yes Network because, to watch the yeah. Nets. So so I'm literally left with this choice now of, like, saving $100 a month, which I could use, mm. switching totally to this, but I have to literally, like, give up watching my favorite team on a TV. And then start streaming or doing whatever the fuck people do yeah. or just going to this. So uh, I think because someone like me, who's uh, old and not good with technology. Come on, come on. Uh, we get like, up there. You're... Listen, I'm halfway to 78. This podcast will not okay? be featured in AARP magazine. Man. <laughs> I hope some ageists aren't out there. But for someone like me, like it seems like an inevitability because of how confusing it is. That what happened with cable is just going to happen again, mm. like where they're just going to package a bulk yeah. of these together where you're essentially getting a monopolized cable system again. I mm. think it's just on its way to that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good, um, but I think it's confusing and just a matter of time before they start pooling it together the same way cable is. Yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. Well, my mom, big disaholic all the way a disaholic oh, that's a word all the way ah. she, she's all the way in but no i got it free fruit what's her favorite what her what's her favorite disney of all time she beauty and the beast no, she's like a big Mickey lady mouse and... person it's like oh all, okay like, old mouse school cartoons. old yeah, school like, gotcha way, all the way no but so but i got a free through verizon okay so i've been kind of experimenting and you know we'll see We'll see what the first year's like, and I'll probably end up dropping it. But I'm gonna fuck with the Mandalorian. Yeah, that looks fun. Yo, Amin, who I work with on, yeah, on sure, Sundays, sure, he's sure. watched the first two episodes twice. He's all oh, in. He's all in. He's all in. Okay. I mean, I think what's interesting, and this is a good segue to what we're gonna talk about next, is uh, I think what you're seeing here is the same thing that's happening in music, mm. which is it is all about the ownership of content now. Yeah. And and the thing you have going on is these these major major companies who have uh, very little interest in the actual pieces themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like hedge fund capital groups are looking through piece by piece and being like, you know, I really love that film. That's why we should <laughs> invest in yeah. this. You know, it's all about snatching up and, like you said, owning and protecting yeah. as much content as you can now. And that's the name of the game. And it's the same with Music Masters now. Which brings us to our next topic. Oh, Benny's is getting the hang of this radio podcast Come on. thing. Come on. All Just right. need a reps, Denny. Just need a reps. <laughs> I love that H2O is playing right now. Cracks me up. I'm going to text him right after this. It's we got... should like say that and be like, by the way. It, I mean, it's funny. It's That is Todd, the drummer from H2O, playing right now. The Oops. interlude music on this podcast. Yep. That is Todd Friend of the band H2O playing right above our heads. And Todd, it's really funny for Todd because he met me when I was like 14 or 15 years old and booked H2O 
at a fire hall in Bradley Gardens, New Jersey. <laughs> no idea what the fuck I was doing. Right. Rented a PA from Pianos Plus. <laughs> uh, you know, my, we ended up never being able to do a show again there because my buddy Steve Lawson was running around on the roof. <laughs> and uh, so the fact that him and I reconnected later in life, he, he still sees me as yeah. a chubby 15 year old with a with a bright smile so so it's funny that todd todd friend from h2o is playing on top of us right now well i'm sure that he has had his own battles with ownership because it it seems like it's impossible to have a band at least and not struggle with this and that brings us to the topic of taylor swift versus scooter braun big machine label um where art meets business then yeah and so Pretty much what happened, and I'm going to try to give, like, the for dummies version, because that's the extent at which I, I understand <laughs> this. Pretty much, Big Machine Label owned the Taylor Swift Masters, right? And Scooter Braun, opportunist, comes in with a little bit of past beef with Taylor Swift, comes in, buys the Masters, and next thing, you know, Taylor Swift is in a position where... She's not in control of her own music, and I feel like we've heard this time and time again. Benny, where do we start to digest this story on the topic of music ownership and the process of what does Taylor Swift do to get her ownership of her own music? I mean, at this point, she doesn't. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. I mean, so, so, you know, to take it back a little bit, in order to own your own masters, just just the diet version of this, like you need to pay for your own recording. The reason that these companies own the masters is because they front the money to artists to go into the studio, to record, to press the record, to advertise the record, to distribute the record. And often in a major label scenario, not an indie scenario, we'll start a band on tour I'll buy you a van. They'll buy you gear. They'll hire your band. They'll give you tour support money. They'll throw it at you. They don't mm. give a shit because it's this initial investment to do exactly what's happening right now. And so basically, you know, maybe someone like me or people from my scene are a little hipper to it because I come from a DIY culture and punk and hardcore where a band can manage to do this. You can manage to own your own masters in an indie level. You can release your own stuff. You can self-release. It's easier than it used to be. It's cheaper to record. It's cheaper to put it out. So this stuff is starting to change. Um, but Taylor Swift in the position she was when she was, uh, you know, a, yeah. a kid pop star, the amount of money going into her records is money that often like you'll never pay back. And and you know, ninety nine percent of the time when you're not Taylor Swift. They not only own your masters, they own fucking everything because you owe them money forever. She's one of the unique ones who actually sold enough records to start getting paid on it. Mm. But what happened is this big machine group, I, you know, I hadn't read that they were in trouble financially. It'd be crazy if they were because they owned fucking six Taylor Swift records. So something similar happened to me recently, and I actually have a lot of experience with it. So the thing Taylor Swift is most pissed about is this. She was with this company for six records, which means you literally intimately worked with anybody at this company for each one of these processes. I mean, it's a big thing putting out a record. You choose who to do it with, the studio, the art, the, you know, you usually have a really 
intimate creative back and forth with at least some people at your label or management company you know like that's it's common um and what happened was someone scooped up big machine records for 300 million dollars and this was the carlisle group who is a hedge fund that is worth a total of 225 billion dollars in assets this is where the money came from to buy big machine records yeah. so like we spoke about in the previous thing this has nothing to do with taylor swift's songs or art right. to these people she's a bottom line too <laughs> and the thing that they did was they sold their company to this parent company without ever offering Taylor Swift to buy her masters back. Offering it to her directly, yeah. to her camp directly. It's not like you're dealing with someone who can't pay for them either. Right. So if they got $300 million from this hedge fund company, they might have gotten $200 million from Taylor Swift to take back six of her records. And you can't tell me Taylor Swift couldn't get a fucking hedge fund hmm. to back her to buy her own masters. Yeah. So... She felt slighted. She felt like people she knew and had a direct relationship with her fucked her. Legally, they did not. Legally, they have every right to sell these fucking masters to whoever they want because they own them. I mean, that's part of the shitty problem we're dealing with. But I think it came down to uh, a personal issue and a respect issue and the reason why she decided to... um, take this down the road she did now the cool thing i think about this is it's 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 uh tying into like the player and empowerment era in sports Mm. and it's kind of a similar thing where formerly these companies the owners the people who own the masters the people who own the teams the people who did this stuff had just all the fucking power because they could go ahead and make uh, a public press release uh, you know a pr campaign essentially being like you are fucked in the press if you say anything about this if you want to keep your money you want to keep your career you stay in line you know what i mean and this is what they were doing to people for for from the inception of the music and sports industry and the one thing that social media and the access to communication has given you is like where does the true power lie does it lie in the fact that taylor swift is contractually obligated to these companies or the fact that she can summon hundreds of millions of people to Mm. her defense yeah because she is one of the biggest fucking pop stars in the world whose voice is on these songs who i think wrote a lot of these songs so now she gets to kind of call to action and and these companies of course are like whoa 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 we're a really good company. We have 120 people who are working here and you're, and you're really like scaring us. Hmm. You know, it's like the same defense like they always give. And I'm not to say that there's all like evil people working at that company. It's probably music nerds just like me who like grew up on Rush and want to work at a label. I'm not saying they're like the most fucked up people right. in the world. But I do think in the same way that uh, LeBron James changed the industry by being like, no, 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 no. I hold the cards, man. Like, I'm fucking LeBron James. I'm worth half a billion dollars to your team every year, and we all know it. And now we're going to figure this out accordingly. So, you know, there's part of this where I feel bad for Taylor Swift. She, uh, like any young artist, like got into something she couldn't get out of and got fucked by a corporation. She's also a corporation. You know what I mean? She's got so many people working for her. Like, Taylor's going to be okay. Hmm. But the thing to think about this is, like, not everybody is Taylor Swift. Hmm. 
and a lot of people get fucked royally royally fucked where their lives are destroyed their art is taken from them everything they've worked towards is is seized and controlled because someone didn't find it economically viable and that's just business i mean that's what happens when art gets into business but that's my take on what happened and i wonder how much on the low these artists that have made it like your springsteens your princes your anybody that has made a lot of money in the music business i wonder how much time and effort they put into getting their masters back because i imagine greetings from asbury park I, I imagine columbia owned that for a very long time i'm sure and probably still does probably still does and bruce yeah. has all the money in the world and he mm-hmm. probably can't get it back so it's devastating and i thought the really interesting thing that you brought up is the cross-section of art and business and i feel like that's such a like macro question it's like where is the fine line between all of that where you have yeah you want to make money for your art but without a market for your art you can't make money yeah and taylor swift seems to be at the cross-section of that and she's done very well it comes off snaky yeah because you're not dealing with business people yeah you're dealing with people who have no idea what the fuck they're doing in business because more often than not they've been sitting in their rooms socially awkward writing songs for years before that exactly and uh and and that's where there is manipulation and and it's it's real the the kind of next evolution of this that i'm super interested in it's with the influencer crowd you know like these like girls that post their pictures on instagram because i think technically when you post pictures on instagram they like own it because they're a facebook company and, and and i think that's how the terms of agreement work so you can have these people that, yeah, in the short term, they may be profiting off of it. But down like the road, after, the, after say, having a million followers on Instagram doesn't really matter because you don't have that level of success that you want. But the thing you have is access. And that's, that's where I think, um, you well, know, it's like a quick, it's always a quick reaction from someone from the alternative world to hate the things with social media or YouTube or something like that. But I think of somebody like Post Malone, mm. who, as uh, I believe, under 18, was uh, writing and recording these songs with his friends by himself, mm. which means he owns his fucking masters, yeah. releasing them on YouTube yeah. by himself, right. which means he owns the money that's coming back. Like, like, literally, because of social media and because of the tech, a guy like that skipped about 30 middlemen that would have previously been handsomely paid hmm. for for getting yeah. him from A to B. Yeah. And now you know you have the access to control that power. And that's one of the reasons I kind of dig what's going on with social media and stuff and and it's not like Taylor Swift like wrote these posts just in the middle of the night like drunk or something right. like like she Put a made a conscious yeah. decision to do this and I think it's because of w- what I mentioned before. What social media gives you is transparency to power that power doesn't really like. Like, even though the fact that what they're doing is legal, it doesn't make it right. And at least Taylor Swift can be like, hey, I got fucked. I got legally fucked. I have no recourse. But it's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe this should change for the next artist. It's funny. That's kind of not, not to give any spoilers, but that's kind of what that movie Ford versus Ferrari is all, all, right. all about. Yeah, that yeah. Matt Damon movie. Mm-hmm. So, Matt Damon. 
Anyway, Benny, we've just about run out of real estate on this podcast, so it's time for our token meme person or thing of the week. My man this week is Rob Manfred, who was called out this week by MLB reporter Buster Olney, saying that players treat him like he's a white-belted high school crossing guard, incapable of controlling them, or someone they believe will be unwilling to come down with a disciplinary hammer. Basically, calling Rob Manfred uh, uh, a punk who, who can't do his job, and the Astros... Basically, I knew about the Astros in 2017, and I didn't do enough to scare them away from doing it again. So... Rob Manfred, this is your time to draw a line in the sand and actually fucking do something about it and stop this where it goes. I want to finally on this podcast keep it a, a little lighter with my token meme of the week. Benny, have you seen the video of this kid that won the free Chick-fil-A? Oh, the Chick-fil-A kid. I got I, I to gotta give it to Chick-fil-A. He's like a 70-year-old <laughs> pipe fitter. What happened? How did they get that kid? I mean, he's just out here like, I like fried chicken. I so fr- I'm out here in the freezing cold. Oh, I love that kid. I want to hang with him. He's so great. So I don't want to give him beer, but I want to have like a Miller Genuine draft with that kid. <laughs> Come on. All right. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. The Tuna Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. We're there. You can email Benny. I really should have called it askbenny at gmail.com, but the Tuna Podcast, it's very on brand, Benny. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. He's Benny Hor- he being Benny Horowitz at Benny Horowitz one. Don't forget the number one. Number one in your minds. Number one in your hearts. Number one on this podcast. I'm Denny Gallagher at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, anything else you got? So have a good week and everybody love everybody. This has been the Tune Up Podcast.